So uh, if you guys are ready, I can give you a quick rundown of how this game is played if you're up for it. Oh, well, yes, uh, yes. Teach All me right. about Hugo, the Midnight Castle Ghost midnight Party. Early midnight and- Party oh, Castle yeah. Ghost. <laughs> Welcome to Which Game First, where we explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we find any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up this week, we team up to tame the depths of the earth in The Crew, Mission Deep Sea. Next up, we race against one another in a battle to achieve structural supremacy in Seven Wonders Architects. And lastly, we run for our lives inside a haunted castle in Hugo das Schlossgespenst. I'm your host, Celeste Angelis, and I'm joined by my fellow intrepid game explorers, Evan Bernstein. Hello, everyone. Ed Povolitis. Hi, guys. It's time to game. And Mike Grenier. Ready for action, Captain. (laughs) (laughs) Our first game up this week is The Crew Mission Deep Sea. Designed by Thomas Singh. Published by Cosmos 2021. Number of players, 2 to 5. Ages 10 and up. Playtime, 20 minutes. Okay, Mikey. What's in the deep sea box? The cover of the box follows two intrepid undersea explorers as they cautiously peek between the corals to find what looks like the lost city of Atlantis or maybe just a tiny town on the outskirts. When we delve a little deeper, we find 40 large cards, 36 color cards, 4 submarine cards, 5 large reminder cards, 96 small cards, 5 sonar tokens, a distress signal token, a captain token, and a logbook. And that's what's in the box. Well, before we delve too deeply into this game, Evan, give the rules a pressure check. The Crew Mission Deep Sea is a trick-taking card game where you and the other players work together to search for the lost continent of Mew. And yes, this game is a version of The Crew, the original, in which that setting was outer space. This new adventure takes your crew deep down into the abyss on a search for the fabled sunken land. It's a cooperative game, and there are various missions to undertake, each with their own victory conditions. Remember, communication between your crew members is limited. In this aquatic environment, table talk must be limited. That's the key to this game. Also remember, it's not just about winning tricks, but also on carefully negotiating the order in which the tricks are won. Now, let's see what depths we sunk to playing this game. (laughs) (laughs) well we were lucky on this one it it went smoother because we played this version of the crew in person when we Mm -hmm. were online playing it we had a lot of trouble keeping our mouths shut because we were in the middle of doing a show for our audience (laughs) it was hard not to talk yeah (laughs) i guess we should have thought that through a little more thoroughly yeah it was a fun challenge on its own though (laughs) <laughs> Although I find that when we're even when in person, the uh, the nonverbal communication can be something like, uh, "I'm not sure about this one." Hopefully, this thing will fly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you almost have to talk about something not related to the game at all, so you don't table talk your way through this thing. Um, among the four of us, there's a joke that's been going on for decades now that we would be thrown out of even the worst bridge club because <laughs> oh, yeah. we, we just cannot talk. our table oh, yeah. talk. We can't help ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're yeah. a chatty group. 
Yeah. Yeah, we are. <laughs> and and honestly, we could almost tell each other what our hands are, and it still wouldn't even matter. Like, we would not be cheating. <laughs> I'll tell you, for all our table talk when we were on uh, on the show, which you can see on our YouTube channel playing the original crew, uh, we still got annihilated. We, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we completely lost. <laughs> yep. I don't know. Uh, some, sometimes you're just in a corner, and you can't win, though, just by the deal, you know? Well, in space, mm. no one can hear you lose. <laughs> <laughs> well, this one takes place under sea, and it has a lot, uh, I would say a lot more art than the original, or maybe just it seems more in-depth. What did you guys think of the art and the card design? I mean, I think it definitely had uh, a neater look. That it seemed a little more inviting, in a way. Yeah, it had a nicer color palette and a little bit more going on, in the, at least on the cover as well. It it felt the, sort of the same to me. I felt like the cards, looking at the faces of the cards, had the same sort of feel and mm-hmm. vibe as the original crew. But that's all good. I, I like that scheme then, and I like this now. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think they're. I think you're all right. It had continuity from the original game, and it also brought in a little bit more depth and color. I think the big upgrade they have in this particular version of the game is the task cards. Mm-hmm. Where in the old one, the task cards were almost just the, you know, the same as the face cards. They had all the different face cards as task cards because they say, oh, you have to win with this trick. But now there's a lot of variety in the different tasks or um, objectives you'll have to do to win the mission. Mission number one, notebook of the pike, Meg Diver, 408 a.m. My colleagues are pretty competent, all of them highly regarded experts in their field. But deep sea experience, the ability to steer a ship and coordinate a what? crew. What's a sea? What's deep sea? <laughs> what is this wetness? What is this deep sea you're talking water, about? Water is wet, you say? And it almost makes you, like, if you're a good bridge player, it almost messes you up a little bit in this game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because That's a good point. Yeah, you're cooperating. All four of you are cooperating. So, you know, mm-hmm. you know how the tricks are taken and stuff like that. But you're still, like, you have to be in a completely different mindset that you're trying to sometimes lose a trick or whatever. Just a variety. It's like, I will, I will win only the very last trick. That's your job. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yep. And I was like, wow, that's a different task to try to do. And I think that's a fun puzzle because, as, you know, bridge players, you're usually just trying to win all the tricks or, aha. <laughs> but now it's like, whoa, I have to duck them all until the end. Yeah. And in bridge, another difference is in bridge, you can take a mental break when you're the dummy hand. Somebody's <laughs> always out. But I've, in this game, if any one of us is asleep at the wheel, any player at all, you can absolutely get killed. In this game, everybody's got to be paying attention, I think, all the time. Which is great. You know, it definitely makes everybody feel engaged the entire time. And you're just biting your tongue, but you're still engaged in what's happening at the table. I really like the way the co-op of this plays out. Because normally in a co-op game, sometimes it's like one person can just kind of like drive the action, be the the big leader. It's like, well, we do this, 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 and the other thing, we'll win. Now it's like, now everybody's got to pay attention to what cards people are playing in in order to achieve mission success together. Right. And Mm -hmm. speaking of leadership, there is a card that dictates the captain on any given hand. It's Mm -hmm. the number four submarine card. Mm -hmm. That is the Uber card. That means you're the captain. And what that also means is if you're playing the series of various missions, you as that captain have the option of passing the mission if you feel it's too hard, too difficult, or for whatever reason, 
pass it on and move to a new mission. So that's an important uh, decision you get to make as captain. And just by the nature of one person being captain, you know that person is absolutely going to take one of the tricks. So they have to look carefully at their hand and go, okay, does that help the team or hurt the team that I'm absolutely going to take one of these tricks that's coming up? That's the benefit of having the top trump card. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's clever the way they did the communication in the game in Mm -hmm. that you get this little sonar token and you get to communicate one piece of information once during the round. And that is, oh, this card is my highest card in the shoot or this card is my lowest card in the shoot or I think even more important, this card is my only card in this shoot. Mm. Right. Those singleton, baby. I almost wish there was a little bit more flexibility in the no, in the one thing you get to say. Meaning I wish you could advertise any card in your hand. But with the mm. low card, high card, low card, high card, only card, it means that a lot of times you can't communicate precisely what's necessary. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Such as, you know, this is the card that has to be captured. I have it. You know, right. that's, mm-hmm. that speaks to the theme, though, Celeste, and, they talk, and the designers, I think, talk about that. They say deliberately that is the case. When you are underwater, you do have a certain limited sense of communication, <laughs> and that, that's supposed to encapsulate that. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I see that, and it's uh, on theme. It's interesting, though, that sometimes it allows you to give the information you really need to. For example, if the card you really want to communicate about happens to be your highest card in the, hand, in the suit, you can communicate about it, but if it's just mm-hmm. sort of sitting in the middle of your suit, then you're stuck and you can't tell anybody about the information. I, I noticed, I played this game with my family as well a few times, and I noticed that conceptually that that was probably the toughest part of the game to get, like what mm. exactly you can communicate. Mm-hmm. I find, uh, I did uh, play this a few times online, even this version, and I find um, it, it's like a little bit like learning a language or like when you play birds a lot, you start to learn little patterns. The first few times you're kind of fumbling through, but then you say, ah, I need to pay attention to where these cards are. And it's like, oh, that person just ducked on my, no, wasn't able, didn't follow suit. So that means he's void in that. And now if I do this, uh, he'll be able to, no, give me that card I need. It's a little tricky sometimes because your high card could also be your only card or your low card could be your only card. <laughs> so you might be right. not wanting to even convey the information at all just so you don't mess with people. Mm-hmm. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury beneath the sea. The Crew Mission Deep Sea. Evan? The Crew Mission Deep Sea is a very good trick-taking game, and I love co-ops as well. The limited information that you have is the fun part of this game. It gets my old contract bridge juices flowing, and that's a good thing. Dig it up. Ed? This takes the search for Planet Nine to new depths of strategy. I enjoy the cooperative trick-taking puzzle, so I'll dig this up from the sea for my shelf. Mike? I'm still enjoying this spin on Bridge, and even though, to me, there didn't seem to be any major innovations since the original game, I still had a lot of fun, so I'll dig this up. Well, I played this game with 
children as young as 12 and had a great time with it. They It was fairly easy to, for them to pick up, a lot easier than a lot of other games we played with them. So I love this game for families and friends. Definitely dig it up. What kind of card game do you enjoy? Cooperative or competitive? Let us know. We are at Which Game First on all social media. Hey, everybody. What's going on with Which Game First? Which Game First, Thursday night, 7 o'clock Eastern Time. We are live broadcasting on all of our social media channels. Well, at least I know YouTube and definitely Twitch and also Facebook. Catch us there as we play a game. You, For the first time, we fumble our way through it, but we want you to join us and help us out, watch us, give us suggestions as to what moves to make, and also play trivia games with, with us every Thursday night, 7 o'clock Eastern Time. Since PAX, we've had a bunch of different games that we've been playing for the show, and also meeting and talking to some of those designers, as well as some other people that I've been meeting on TikTok, and we're going to have some of them as guests on our show on upcoming episodes, so look for that. And just to remind you guys, uh, we hosted a huge board game design conference with the top game designers and artists and uh, even marketers from the game industry. It was Really a fun time hosted by our friend and friend of the show, Grant Lyon. It was a really fun time. If you want to watch those videos and get a great education on game design from all aspects of designing, you can just buy a ticket right now and you'll get access to every single video from the conference. It's only $9.95 and you get every single video. Reiner Neziers, Martin Wallace, Sen Fung Lim, Clemens Franz, Kathleen Mercury, Steven Slada, Zeb Slashinger, Marshall Britt, Kurt Cover, and Marie DeWitt. Take a breath. Yes, more videos. Debbie Moynihan, Andrew Kuplik, James Coltrane, and Ken Thompson. Woo! For that 10 was bucks, guys. Was. Come on. Wow. <laughs> I know. Can't beat it. So that's at BoardGameDesignConference.com. And thanks for listening. Thank you Thanks, all. Guys. Our next game up this week is Seven Wonders Architects, designed by Antoine Bauza, published by Repos Production 2021. Number of players 2 to 7, ages 8 and up, playtime 25 minutes. All right, Mikey, what's in the ancient box? The cover of the box freezes a moment in time when ancient Egyptians were casually overseeing content workers as they erected one of the great wonders of the world on a sunny Sunday afternoon. Inside the box, we find 235 cards, seven wonders with five pieces each, seven card holders, eight component trays, 15 progress tokens, six conflict tokens, 28 military victory tokens, a cat pawn, and its stand. And that's what's in the box. Well, before we tell you if the build-up to this game is wonderful. <laughs> I love it, Celeste. Evan, unscroll the rules. Seven Wonders Architects is a resource collection game where players representing different ancient civilizations race to complete an architectural wonder. Players receive an unconstructed wonder at the beginning of the game and must collect resources to build their society, develop military might to navigate conflicts, oversee resource management, research science improvements, and collect civil victory points as they race to leave their mark on world history. Gameplay is easy. 
pick a card and play its effect. Three cards to pick from, two face up, but one face down. Now one player will have the cat pawn, which allows that player to take a peek at that face down card. Big advantage. The first player to complete their wonder marks the end of the game, and then go ahead and add up all the victory points you've collected on the way. I know that when I am thinking about this game, I can only <laughs> describe it as Evan Wonders. Oh, boy. <laughs> 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 yes, I did write that by myself. Uh, All by mm-hmm. yourself, obviously. I had no help. Grant Lyon did not help me, guys. So <laughs> right. yeah. don't blame him. Anybody that knows Evan knows that this is 100% true. <laughs> <laughs> It's probably your favorite part of the writing. Evan Wonders. I mean, come on. The game was built for me. It was staring you right, right in the face, man. How could you totally. ignore it? A lot of fiddly bits in this game. A lot of fiddly bits. So you played it on Board Game Arena, guys. How was yeah. it yes, there? Less fiddly. Yeah. <laughs> Very well, good. Yeah, we played it on Board Game Arena. It was almost too easy because it mm. did everything for us. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is one of the drawbacks of Board Game Arena. Sometimes you don't know how you scored what you score because they take care of it so fast, you don't get to see what's happening. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, that was 100% the case in this game. Um, I really loved the way the wonders looked, like partially constructed as if you were having a hand in the historical moment when they were built. Although I'm a little Mm -hmm. skeptical about maybe some of the uh, scaffolding that was used on some of them. (laughs) 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 You didn't think that you architecturally uh, sound uh, scaffolding for these? Yeah, and like lots of wood in Egypt. I don't know. Pre-OSHA rules. uh, Yeah, OSHA. Oh, yeah. No, OSHA rules were not followed in building the pyramid. I guarantee you. Look at that. And I will finish my next level of wonder. The Colossus of Rhodes cod piece. I must take that scrolly, scrolly, scroll, scroll. I got three equals. I must make my stage. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so uh, who won? Um, Uh, Evan Evan won. Evan, yeah. Of course he did. It's named after him. Evan won. Yeah, <laughs> with a, with a pretty with a pretty solid strategy of uh, of developing in order, and what I mean by that is you're building your wonder in stages. You've got stage one at the bottom base. You have to complete it before you can move to stage two, and you must complete all of stage two before you get to stage three. Obviously, mm-hmm. however, there's also a rule in which you may not want to construct, but you must construct mm-hmm. if you can construct a piece of your wonder. Mm-hmm. So that. There, there lies the strategy in choosing your cards because you want to time it in such a way that you don't either build too fast, too slow, or get ahead of yourself or leave yourself in a position where you don't have enough resources, then you're playing catch up to the other players. It's quite clever. And there's other things to keep track of too because there's a military thing with me and Mikey kind of got into a, mm-hmm. a kerfuffle or two and that. A little kerfuffle, a little kerfuffle. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't like. I don't like mixing it up in the military, but I had a wonder that was going to lean into the military strategy, so I leaned into it, mm. and, uh, eh, you know, it, it got, and me and Ed got a little toe-to-toe over it, so it didn't work out mm-hmm. perfectly. Get Build your stuff up, but let me get to the point where I can claim Horn. the fifth level. Oh, what's happening? A fight? The first thing is you must make a horn sound that's required by the rule to make a horn sound. Oh, well, I didn't realize that. Okay. Yep. And then okay. what you would do is have to flip over one of the peace coins. And then wow. on all three peace coins that have been flipped, there's a battle. I Boy. see. 
Them fuck makes me feel like fighting. Fighting round the world. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, since somebody feels like fighting, I feel oh, like. And the game made the horn sound for you as well, in case for some reason you are incapable of making a horn. Nice. Okay, I'll admit it could be a factor as to helping me sort of achieve victory. Maybe that Ed and Mike were slugging it out over there while I was just building away. Yep. I'll tell you, I hate going for the same things Ed is going for. It's <laughs> it's, it's the worst. Yeah, I was I wasn't actually going for the military. It's just like oh, it's like I I had the opportunity to get a military card, and I saw that Mikey, you know, would get a beat up on me if we he triggered points. So it's like okay, let me grab that. And then of course, when you get a, a military card with a little horn symbol on it, it's time for war. <laughs> you make the horn sound. That's in the rules, Celeste. Yeah, it is. It is directly in the rules. Make the horn sound and then go to war. As much of a strategy as you might want to have in this game, though, you don't have a lot of choices of what to pick from each turn. Like in the regular Seven Wonders, you're kind of building up to something and you have like your own resources. But in this, you've kind of accumulated stuff and you spend it. And then whatever comes up during your turn out of, I think it was two choices... That's basically all you can three. do. Two oh, face-up choices, one face down. So right, right, right. The face you have down, the kitty, kitty. Mm-hmm. Well, tell us about the cat, Ed. You seem excited about the kitty. I <laughs> like the kitty, kitty. It lets you peek at the down card. And basically, some of the victory point cards, the blue cards, you yes. know, they have some of the similar cards and colors that you would see in Seven Wonders. If you play Seven Wonders, you recognize all the cards and symbology right away. And it's just like, ooh, the blue victory point card, but some of them got a little kitty kitty. Every time you put down one of those or take one of those, you get to have the kitty kitty and get to like, hey, I know what's in the middle. When you have the kitty, you actually get to look at the face down card that's on the top of the stack. So it gives you Mm -hmm. a little bit of an advantage towards what you want to do. But nothing is useless in the game. But you definitely have a limited number of turns with which to collect stuff that fits your strategy. So you kind of have to be careful. So we've reviewed Seven Wonders in the past. And by the way, if you want to if you want to check out any particular game we've reviewed, the best way to find out where it is on all of our episodes is to go to our website and actually just go to the little search bar in the upper right corner. Type in the name of the game and the episode we reviewed it on will pop right up for you. That's probably the fastest way. Just just a little tip, a little, life, ha- <laughs> little life hack for it's you, true. <laughs> for our listeners. Life hack. So if you ever wonder, hey, did which game first cover this? Check it out there. <laughs> but we did review Seven Wonders, the original game before. Yeah. And uh, this, how does this one compare to that, Mike? It's a little, a little. It's a lot slimmer than the original. <laughs> yeah. Because you know, I was talking about how you're basically collecting. Uh, things and spending them instead of kind of building up a a, uh, a machine that allows you to have certain things each round and other people to trade with you for those things it's really just set collection and spending well yeah it's just very much a new art new graphic design in a sense that everything worked together i think seamlessly and very pretty looking compared to that game that came out 10 years ago and the original game was uh, you know, your basic drafting game. And here you're not drafting, but you immediately do something. It's like, okay, I have these options. Tip, do that action. Done. Next turn. It's obviously designed to be a much faster game. Mm-hmm. Celeste, mm-hmm. you know, something you love. Right, um, right, right, right. And, and the pace of it does go, does go quickly. And, 
yes, you do have fewer choices. Yes, it's there's not as there's no build up per se because you're using things as you as you draw them, but it just keeps things moving and you mm-hmm. feel to a certain degree, I think, more engaged throughout the entire game with this. I think it's a great opportunity for any large scale game designer to also uh, produce a slimmed down version. I, I, I agree. I think this one, with that objective in mind, slimming it down and making it more accessible to those play, players that may not want to, to be as deeply involved. Exactly. But here, the setup is fast. You can each person this cool looking box that has you wonder. You set it up <laughs> without the deck of cards. Play. It's true. And and if you're trying to get them into that bigger version of the game, this might be a good place to start. And uh, like Celeste was saying, too, I think that it's true that a lot of games out there could benefit from having a slimmed down version just for that reason alone. For example, um, one thing that's slimmed down is the uh, science thing. And science in the, the original game, you know, you have to collect a big set of stuff and hopefully if you get you no. Know, uh, enough like oh different kind and more of the same kind i have to consult the chart to figure out how many points i made here it's very simple i get a couple of the same thing i get the trigger a special bonus bam i get my result right now mm-hmm. which kind of messed me up a little bit because i remembered the other game and i'm like oh different kinds of science and the only other thing i was doing besides military was basically science because i thought right. there'd be a huge payoff at the end and there, it wasn't as big as the original for sure so the original led you astray is what you're saying. Yeah, if you play this first and then play the next one. It was a head fake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a total head fake. <laughs> okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Seven Wonders Architects. Mike? Seven Wonders has traditionally been a fairly simple game to learn and to teach, but this one somehow found a way to be even easier and maybe a bit to its detriment. I don't know, but you know what though? Still, I had fun with it and I'd love to show some people this game. So I'll dig it up. Ed. I have fond memories of the original game from 2010. And while this version does strike me as a bit oversimplified for my taste, I must admit that this game will be easier to learn, faster to play and nicer to look at. So I'll follow the architectural design and dig this one up. Evan? Seven Wonders Architects is memorable. And while I recognize the original is a classic and it is definitely a fun game to play, I found this version more memorable in that you'll want to play it because it's so quick-paced, easy to learn, as they've said, and easy to play. I had a blast playing it. Dig it up. Did you enjoy playing new takes on older games? Or do you like to reach back into the classics and play the original classics? Let us know. We are at with Game First. Our last game up this week is Hugo Das Schlossgespenst. I think I did it okay. <laughs> nice. Yep. I think you got it. <laughs> and the English version is Escape from the Hidden Castle, designed by Wolfgang Kramer. Published by Amigo in 1989, reprint 2018, number of players 2 to 8, ages 7 and up, playtime 30 minutes. Oh, Mike, hurry, tell us what's in the box. The cover of the box shows us our elated spectral bestie, Hugo, das Schlossgespenst, coming straight for us as panicked house guests quake in fear, hoping to avoid his frightening gaze. Inside the box, we uncover a game board, 30 guest figures, 
eight guest chips, a Hugo ghost figure, a round counter for Hugo, and a custom die with a one, two, four, five, and two ghosts. And that's what's in the box. Before we tell you that this game scares us out of our wits, Evan, hurry up, tell us the rules <laughs> and how to get out of here. I'm just going to call it Hugo for short. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't make me pronounce it. <laughs> Schlossgespenst. Right. What's so hard about that? <laughs> yeah, Schlossgespenst. All right. How about Wait. this? How about... Schlossgespenst. Try it. Hugo das Schlossgespenst. Perfect. Hugo das Schlossgespenst is what I am going to call a resource management game, if you can mm. believe it. Huh. I think your resources are the people you control on the board, and the management is the way in which you're moving your pieces along a circular track. Okay. Because, frankly, I have no other idea really how to <laughs> categorize this game. Uh, maybe it's abstract in a way. But in any case, each player controls a number of guests at a party. The goal is to keep moving your guests around the game board so that they don't get captured by Hugo the Ghost. Hugo starts in the cellar and then climbs the stairs towards the gallery where the guests are moving clockwise around that circular track. Roll the dice, and if you roll a Hugo, Hugo gets to move. If you see Hugo coming up behind one of your party goers, you better move that party goer out of that circular hall and into a room for safety. But don't get too comfortable in there because other players can come along and kick you out of your hiding space and right back into the hall. Now, if you get caught by Hugo, that character goes to the cellar, earning fright points. Fright points, not good. You do not want fright points. Once all the guests have finally been caught, the fright points are tallied. After playing a predetermined number of rounds, the player with the fewest fright points wins. Player with the worst score must suffer all the booze. Oh, God. <laughs> I looked that one up. I wish we had a sound effect for Evan's final puns. Ooh. <laughs> like a, oh, like, like, Ooh. or like, the rim, the rim shot. Boom. Price is right, loser in music. All right, All right guys, Hugo, yeah, did you yeah. play with, uh, <laughs> we, you guys played it on Board Game Arena. Jeez, mm -hmm. it's interesting we, that, we that you played. We think we did. It's interesting. Well, what do you mean you think you did? Well, I don't know what game we played. Did we play Hugo das Schlossgespenst? Did we play Escape from the Hidden Castle? Did we play <laughs> Ghost Party? Did we play Midnight Party? <laughs> this game has 24 different names. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. Now, I get Mm -hmm. I get that it was original, original from 1989 and got reprinted, you know, it looks like several times between now and then the version Midnight we played. We played Party. the 2018, right? But you go to, you try to go to one website to figure out what it is. Board Game Arena is calling it one thing. Board Game Geek is calling it something else. You go to find a video for it on YouTube. You can only find one, which is named the third thing, like Midnight Party or whatever, in German. Midnight Party. Yeah. In German. So that's no, no, no practical use. So, like, what the heck are we playing? It's... Oh, and something well, that made it even more confusing was that some of the games you accumulate negative points and some of the games you accumulate positive points. Which right, are depending on... <laughs> yes, yes. And board, game, and, and board Game Arena wasn't sure which way they wanted to go with it. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Oh, I've never seen such confusion in a board game that we've mm -hmm. reviewed. 
Oh yeah, <laughs> we played we played board games that have had multiple names a couple of times. Uh-huh. This one certainly sounds like the messiest. It's had <laughs> the longest yeah. amount of time to basically be confusing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, I don't think it's been particularly popular in the U.S. I think that's part of the reason why. Um, like, I haven't really heard too much about this game before, but Hugo is definitely a, well, German name for the game, and that Hugo is the name of it on Board Game Arena. Mm-hmm. I can see how it would be a little more popular in, like, Europe and stuff and other countries because it's kind of almost a cross between, like, musical chairs and mm-hmm. Ludo. so you're saying it would make a good eurovision uh, yeah absolutely event or uh, presentation yeah very succinctly put mike very (laughs) succinctly end of end (laughs) end of review ludo and musical chairs (laughs) oh man so how did it play on board game arena they knew how to run the game well, we didn't really know how to run the game or what, what our points were worth. Did you play this for uh, our show? Yeah, we did. Oh, for yes. Yeah, did. So there's video. Yeah, so we have a yeah. monopoly on the English version of this game right now with our one video. <laughs> yeah, you right. see it on YouTube. Yeah. Catch all the confusion on YouTube. I mean, I, I could see the appeal of a game like this. I, you know, it's like a lot of players can play it once. And there's not a ton of choices to make every turn, and it's kind of like a little bit of gotcha in there, so that's always a crowd mm-hmm. pleaser. So it has a lot of good points to it where I could see mm-hmm. people enjoying it. If you had to put a skin on Ludo, that I could see how Ghost in the Castle would be a good one. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, oh, tap by the ghost, go home. Is that the kind of thing we're talking about? Yeah, go to the basement, mm-hmm. basically, yeah. Yeah, it's like yeah. Yeah, a game of tag, eventually played, essentially yeah. played out in a board game. Yeah, and and it's all based on dice rolls. You know, you're not like making a choice of how far. The, really, the only choice you're making is which of your pieces you move if you roll a number. Let's get him. I going. must roll the die. I may not want to, but I must. Hugo! Oh, there's the ghost. One, two, three. Here he comes. Do I get to roll again, or I just waste a nope, roll? Nope, Ed, you waste a roll. Oh, that blows. That's not cool. Oh, no, there he goes. Oh, no. Oh, God. Time get to him, run. Get him, get him, get Time him. Time to run. One more roll. Right. And that's the thing I think bothered me the most because there's a ghost on, on what, uh, a third of the size. So I felt like I rolled a lot of ghosts or a lot of roll numbers. And, like, with a ghost, you basically lose your turn. And with a low number, it's like, oh, joy, I get to move. A space. One guy, one space, and that's it. <laughs> you're trying to get to the exact spaces where there are rooms to duck into is basically what you're doing. And then he, hopefully Hugo passes past you because he doesn't go into the rooms. He'll just go past mm-hmm. you and you won't get your piece bumped in the basement. And the basement has some huge negative points in it. Like if you're the first one to go there, you're losing something like 10 points for being the first person to get bumped into the basement. Oh my! Yeah, so mm-hmm. the order in which capture happens uh, determines the out really determines Determines the outcome of the game. Don't mm-hmm. be one of the first ones to get caught. Now, do your guys mm-hmm. stay there forever? Is there a way to get out of the basement? Oh, you can move them out of the basement. Yes. And as a matter of fact, it might be a good way, a good thing to do if you're at the bottom, because if there are a lot of people already in the basement and the new frightened people are only going to the top of the stairs, they're not getting as many points. So you want to get your guy out of the basement so they get the big mm-hmm. negative points. Yep, make room for other people to get the bad negatives, right? Exactly. <laughs> right. Whenever Hugo catches someone, it always goes to the least favorable, lowest position in the basement. So 
even though you can move your characters out of there, it'll keep it'll keep populating down there at the bottom. Or if they're Ugh. occupied, it goes to the next space and then yep. the next space available. I mean, I feel like I feel like we should implement a house rule for this game where if you do roll a Hugo, which is thirty three percent of the time, you don't lose your turn. You just roll again. <laughs> you know, at least you get Hugo some gets sort to make of his move, right? Mm-hmm. But, right, and then yeah. you go. Yeah, yeah exactly. Hugo, yeah, and then you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hugo could be the AI at the end of every turn too. You know, something like that. There's there's a whole randomness factor in this game that I think that people like Ed especially and me partially don't love, but I think it is mm-hmm. one of the appeals of this game, you know, that crazy bad things can happen to people. There's also an element of, well, gotcha, maybe a little backstabbiness. It's a fight mm-hmm. for those rooms. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I know I got into a room and then I was like, oh, I'm all safe. And then Mikey found out he can go into the same room as me and pop me yeah. out. I was like, oh, <laughs> Yeah, we did not know that when we started <laughs> the game. And I just discovered like, hey, it's letting me go in there. I'm like, yay, we're both safe. And then Ed's piece just got kicked out of the room. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> Unceremoniously oh, jumped yeah, into the hall. Yeah. <laughs> Unceremoniously. Yeah. It was yeah. a beautiful thing Yeah, <laughs> when Ed got caught in the hall. There's that part in the beginning beginning of the game too where you're actually choosing where to start your pieces so you can be dangerous and start your pieces near the spot where hugo is going to first come out and the high value rooms to duck into are near there Mm. or you can start your pieces far away so that hugo is you're kind of in front of you and you're kind of walking behind him yeah there's some strategy into the initial uh piece into the initial party goer placement of the board so Mm. that's i like that 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 was that was a nice feature. Mm-hmm. That's way better than just you start where at your starting position like Ludo. Ugh. Yep. Oh yes. <laughs> As the game progresses, like Hugo starts off moving three spaces when he moves or something like that, but eventually he's moving seven spaces at a time. <laughs> when you roll a Hugo. <laughs> like so it accelerates the end of the game, which it you know, at first I looked at it, I'm like, how's this ever gonna end? You have to have everybody off the board in one way or another. <laughs> To end the game. But yeah, once he starts moving five, six spaces at a time, you're like, okay, this is going to end That's real it. fast. Yep. <laughs> going to end fast. <laughs> yep. Uh, so who uh, who lost big in this game? Who got Hugo'd the most? Oh. <laughs> Ed right. did great. Mike and I, I think, did kind of poorly. <laughs> Oof, yeah, I got beat up by by the basement real bad. <laughs> I had a nice comeback, but yeah, that minus 10 points in the first guy. I was the first guy in the basement Ugh. and that hurt. That was yeah. Rough. Yeah, <laughs> looks like the recouping those points is a lot harder than getting the points. Oh yeah, <laughs> and Mike, you love negative points to begin I with, right? I love it. It's so great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, don't you? In this game, I think you started off at negative fourteen or something. I don't. <laughs> it was weird. Yeah, that's right, and they yeah. start you at a num- negative number, not <laughs> a zero. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just just to give Mike a oomph, you know, just a little. Yeah. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Hugo das Schlossgespenst. Mikey, what say you? Players don't have a ton of choices to make in this game, which (laughs) for an inclusive game is kind of actually a feature, not a bug. I wouldn't seek it out, but I would definitely play it if somebody busted it out in a big mixed crowd of people. So for that reason, I'll dig it up. It does say Spiel on the box. Which I assume is family game. <laughs> Which I can only guess is family, family game. 
Ed? It's a light, simple, and decent-looking game. I think it'll be fine for younger players or as a family game. But it also feels a bit too random and seems to lack any real meaningful choices for me. So I'll have to bury this ghost in the dungeon. Evan? Hugo, for what it is, and I'm calling it an abstract resource management game. <laughs> yes, I'm, 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 I defined Sticking a new genre, new style of games. I think it was actually kind of fun. With, with, and it did have some strategy choices. It did. The backstabby component, I like that. Shove other players out of their hiding spots. It kept it interesting. Family-friendly fun on Phantom Friday night. Dig it up. So, would you rather be chased by the Phantom or Hugo? Let us know. We are at Wish Game First on all social media. And that brings us to the end of our show. But we look forward to hearing from you. We want to know about all the game exploring you're doing right now. Come see us on Discord. Come see us on Instagram. We're also on Facebook. Catch us every Thursday night for our Facebook live show. And you can catch it if you miss it there. Catch it on YouTube. Don't forget we have board game design conference available for you at boardgamedesignconference.com for just $9.95 and happy gaming explorers I ain't afraid of no ghosts hmm I wonder how Casper and Hugo would get along welcome to Phantom Friday (laughs) 